0: If you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, Genesis chapter 1 this morning. Genesis chapter 1. Today's lie that I'm going to be dealing with, the lie that God is woke. In his book, Fault Lines, author Vody Bauckham writes about the tragic 2016 death of Tony Tempa which received little media coverage. Here's what happened. According to Dallas Morning News, the Dallas Police Department received a phone call from Tempa, a 32-year-old schizophrenic pleading for help, saying he was off his meds. When police arrived, Tempa was already handcuffed by a security guard. Three Dallas police officers restrained Tempa for nearly 14 minutes, placing their knees on his back and neck, at which time he screamed, You're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. Eventually, Tempa went limp, at which time the officers mocked him and made jokes. In the end, when the paramedics arrived, they placed Tempa's flaccid body on a stretcher, and he was pronounced dead. The officers involved never received disciplinary action, nor were they ever charged, and the Dallas Police Department didn't release body cam footage until after a three-year legal battle ensued. About that event, Vody Bauckham, in his book, here's what he wrote. Quote, a side-by-side comparison of the deaths of Tony Tempa and George Floyd is telling Both died while in police custody. Both were restrained by officers in the same way. Floyd was held down for eight minutes, while Tempa for 14 minutes. The officers in Floyd's case remained calm and serious, while those in Tempa's mocked and laughed. In the legal response, all the officers involved in the Floyd case were arrested and charged, while those involved in Tempa's death got nothing. He said, George Floyd's death sparked multiple funerals, police reforms, and nationwide protests, while today few people know of Tony Tempa. He said, why the difference? His words, not mine. Because, he said, Tony Tempa was white and his case did not advance the right agenda. The narrative Votie was referring to is what we will be dealing with today. It's what is called wokeism, social justice, or if you are going to be technical, critical race theory. Since the death of Mr. Floyd and the social upheavals that have followed... These ideologies have infiltrated into every aspect of society, whether it's higher education or politics or corporations or media or the military, and yes, even the church. We hear these terms a lot in our culture. Woke, social justice, critical race theory, but we don't ever really stop to define them. I want to do that as we begin this message woke what does that mean it is an awakening or an epiphany that happens in which an individual or group particularly whites in this context becomes aware to racial gender and class discrimination and privilege that is what is meant when woke is used what about social justice That is the desire to remove all racism, classism, sexism, homophobia, and any other barrier that would prevent equal outcomes for minorities, a.k.a. also called diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then critical race theory. Here's a long one, but I'll try and do my best. A worldview that approaches issues such as justice, racism, and inequity with the intent of transforming society by destroying power structures that lead to the oppression of minority groups. CRT has its roots in classic Marxism and claims that society should be classified into two different groups, the oppressed and the oppressors. Its goal is to free the oppressed by social revolution and redistributing power from the oppressors to the oppressed. The cult of wokeism is dangerous. The cult of wokeism has infiltrated a church near you. Not this church, but many churches who have backed up on the authority of God's Word. Many churches and pastors who feel like in order to be culturally relevant, they have to adopt the spirit of the age and dilute the Word of God, and adopt whatever the culture is doing. The cult of wokeism has corrupted the church, and it threatens, doesn't it? Conform or be canceled. What does woke church look like? Well, all you have to do is go downtown Asheville, and you'll see a lot of it. And that's not to put down our believing brothers and sisters, but they do need to repent. Woke church manifests itself in many different forms. Here's how you can know you're dealing with a woke church. Sermons that replace the gospel with social justice. If the church is supporting Black Lives Matter or the LBGTQ agenda, in other words, hanging those flags, taking up donations, and basically supporting the messaging there. Asking for white parishioners to repent for their ancestors' sins and white privilege. Quote, unquote, white privilege. Encouraging the study of CRT books like White Fragility. Advocating for reparations to be paid to minority groups. And an emphasis on feelings rather than Scripture. That's how you know wokeism has invaded the church. And we've unfortunately and sadly got a lot of that going on in 2022. In today's message, I want to debunk the woke worldview. And I want to show you four ways that being culturally woke makes you spiritually broke. Because as we study this worldview and philosophy, what you are going to notice is is that wokeism is incompatible with the Bible. In other words, I can't be woke and say, I believe this Word of God 100%. You're compromising somewhere, and usually it's with the Bible. Number one, I want you to see what are the problems with this lie that God is woke. Number one is this, wokeism has a wrong view of humanity's source. Every worldview has to explain where did we come from? Who are we? What is my identity? A fundamental flaw with wokeism is that it defines human worth through the lens of race and power dynamics. In other words, in wokeism, you belong to one of two groups. You're either the oppressed or you're the oppressor. And your identity is based only on externals. For instance, look at this chart. This is how the worldview divides humanity. The oppressors in the case that we're dealing with would be whites oppressing minorities, men oppressing women, straights oppressing gays, parents oppressing children, rich oppressing poor, and Christians, usually always the scapegoat, oppressing people of other religions. That's how the woke worldview divides humanity. In wokeism, there is no transcendent creator God who gives individual intrinsic worth and value. Ultimately, wokeism is Marxism repackaged and Marx said that religion was opium for the masses. This is in contradiction to the Word of God. Amen? Because in the opening verses of the Bible, we see that every human being bears the image of God, and every human being has inherent worth, value, meaning, and purpose. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, here's what the Word of God says. And so God created man in His own image, And in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Simply put, uh, the Bible would say that all lives matter. Rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, born or unborn, young or old, handicapped or healthy, man or woman, black or white, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. The only way that we will achieve any measure of justice or peace in this nation is if we recognize that my neighbor is not my enemy. My neighbor is not Republican or Democrat or whatever label we might want to place on them, but my neighbor is God's handiwork. Somebody that God eternally loves. Somebody that God sent His Son Jesus to die for on an old rugged cross so how could I label them any different? It's not about sexual preference or affluence or education or race or gender or any of these labels that wokeism would want us to view the people through that lens. I'm viewing them through the lens of the Word of God, which says that they're made in His image. Think of a picture frame. And You go to the store and you buy a picture frame. It's either empty or it may contain one of those generic pictures. They're there just to take up space. The frame itself is not very valuable, is it? What gives the picture frame value and meaning is when you take it home and you place the image of the person in the frame. Amen? People are like God's picture frame. If there was no God, then we would just be matter. We would just be molecules and atoms and cells. But because we're made in the image of God, we're more than just a frame. We're more than just matter. What gives each person meaning and value is what the Bible calls a unique deposit. The image of God that's deposited inside of everybody, made in the likeness of the Creator It's the soul that gives the body or the frame inherent value. And as God's image bearers, we bear out or display intelligence and love and creativity and everything about the maker's mark. This is what Paul recognized upon Mars Hill as he preached there to the intellectual elite of his day. He said in Acts 17 and verse 24, look at it on the screen, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of of the earth, Did you see that? That highlighted part? One man, every nation of mankind. Listen to me, newsflash, the Bible doesn't view humanity in terms of separate races. Instead, the Bible says there's only one race. It's the human race. Everybody is ultimately descended from Adam. And moreover, any other cultural difference that we might see today can be attributed to an event that happened at Babel. Genesis 10 and 11, where the Bible says God came down and confused the language of the people. Remember that they were building that tower to reach up to God? God dispersed them. He confused their language, and then he sent them to the four corners of the earth. That's how, why we have different cultures and, and different ethnicities and different tribes and tongues today, because we're living in a, a post-fall, post-flood, post-Babel world. You see, this, this book, this Bible, this inerrant Word of God, it defines for me all of reality. It tells me who I am and where I've come from and where I'm going and what's right and what's wrong. And it lays out the destiny of mankind. Not some godless Marxist philosophy that has been cranked out of the ivory towers of academia and pumped into our society. Do you know that recently modern science has caught up to the Bible on this topic? In 2018, the National Geographic magazine carried an article with the headline, No Scientific Basis for Race. It's just a made-up label. When geneticists finished mapping the human genome, the article said, they unanimously declared there is only one race, the human race. They could have saved themselves a lot of research had they just opened the first page of the Bible and read Genesis 1 and verse 27. By the way, in that article they said there is .02% of genetic difference between any two individuals on earth. And so why would we divide ourselves and hate each other over the color of melanin inside my skin versus somebody else? I'm light brown, they're dark brown. Who cares? They're made in the image of God. We all know what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, quote, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Wokeism is a step backwards from Martin Luther King's dream because it focuses only on externals. Not the character, not the dignity, not the worth. This is the very reverse of what Martin Luther King fought and gave his life for. So, dealing with this lie, God is woke. Number one, you see that wokeism has a wrong view of humanity's source. And when you get that wrong, the rest of it's going to be wrong. Number two... I want you to see that wokeism has a wrong view of sin. There's a word that's fallen out of favor in our culture, isn't it? Now, according to the woke, the primary evil in the world is racism, which is perpetrated mostly in America's context by white straight men. In wokeism, America is seen as a systematically racist country and minority groups are victims of an evil system. The big flaw here is that if you adopt this worldview and you're a minority or you're oppressed, you are a perpetual victim. You're always oppressed. Nothing's ever your fault. You're always pointing the finger at somebody else. I'm like this because... I'm a part of this group. And that's dangerous and that's fatal when you go to present the gospel because how do you ever get somebody to accept personal culpability when all of the problems and all the results in their life are caused by somebody else? In other words, according to wokeism, to be born white in America is to be automatically complicit in maintaining and promoting an ideology of white supremacy, which according to them is the cause of every problem. Now, it doesn't take very long to hear that philosophy and realize that's just another form of racism. <laughs> to take a whole entire group of people and canvas them or paint them all according to one way of thinking. Owen Strockham, in his book, Christianity and Wokeness, he wrote these words. He said, quote, Wokeism reads an entire group of people as irreversibly guilty and the other as irreversibly innocent. One group is always the villain. The other group is always the victim. We are told that the victims, defined by their skin color, have nothing to repent of because they are not in power and therefore they can't be racist. You see how backwards and twisted this worldview is. Many of you remember Condoleezza Rice. She served as Secretary of State under President George W. Bush. She made a significant statement here recently. I want to read it for you. She said, quote, I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama, where we couldn't go to certain theaters and restaurants. I went to a segregated school. We never thought we'd see a country free from prejudice but my parents told us you're going to overcome it and be anything you want to be. She said the way that we're talking about race is that somehow white people now have to feel guilty for everything that happened in the past. I don't think that is very productive. I would like black kids to be completely empowered to know that they are beautiful in their blackness, but in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad about being white. She probably got canceled for that. What does the Bible say, though, is the real root cause and problem of humanity's plight? It is sin. The Bible informs us that while humans are equally created, we are also equally fallen. That means, listen to me, that racism is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. And if you don't deal with the heart of the individual, it doesn't matter what legislation you pass, doesn't matter how much money you pay in reparations, doesn't matter how many civil rights marches you have through the street, you've got to deal with the brokenness and the fallenness of the human heart. Because the rest of that stuff is just window dressing. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 5 and verse 12, Therefore... Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So what the Bible is teaching us is that racism or inequality or whatever the battle may be of the time is a symptom of a deeper sickness. That we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world where there will be problems where there will be hatred and racism, where there will be inequality. So listen to me, friend, the, Solution: the answer to solving the race problem isn't sociology it's theology I need to sit before almighty God open his word and let him diagnose me and my problem so that grace and mercy and redemption can be applied to this old broken heart and I can be made new if anyone be in Christ he's a new creation old things are passed away behold the new has come somebody help me Say amen in the house of God. Because, friend, the problem isn't social. The problem is spiritual. Government can't give me a new heart. Supreme Court decisions can't change the way I view my neighbor. Black Lives Matter marching down the street won't make me love somebody more. Social justice won't fix the problems because they don't address the real issue, which is the heart. Amen? Wokeism has a wrong view of sin, and it has a wrong view of humanity's source. Greg told me if I preached hard, he'd feed me good. So I'm gonna preach real hard through these third and fourth points. Number three, wokeism has a wrong view of the sexes. At first, you wouldn't think that the LBGTQ movement and the BLM movement would have much in common. But under the umbrella of wokeness, these quote-unquote oppressed minority groups unite in their hatred against the racist and homophobic system that they say keeps them down. This is the core of something that is called intersectionality. You may have heard that before. That's a basic tenet of CRT which seeks to explain how minorities are oppressed on many intersecting levels. So if you're a female and you're uh, Asian or black or Hispanic and you're gay, that means that you would be oppressed in three different ways. And therefore, because you are more oppressed than me, your voice should be elevated above mine. That's the way that works in their thinking. Wokeism rejects the idea that there are only two sexes, and it rejects the traditional model of marriage between a man and a woman. In fact, this is the mission statement of Black Lives Matter. that was on their website, and then they took it down. But you know, once it's on the internet, it's on there forever. Here's what they put on their website. They declared war upon the family in their mission statement. They said, quote, we disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters. We foster a queer-affirming network. And we have churches that are so backwards, so left and so corrupted that they're supporting that. God help us. This is taken directly, like I said, from the philosophy of Marx. Karl Marx, the German philosopher and writer who saw the family as a power structure that oppressed women and children. And Marx saw the family as a barrier to state control and the way that you revolutionized culture according to him was you had to disrupt the family. Why? Because he realized that inherited wealth was passed from father to son, family to family. And if you disrupted that, then the state could take the inherited wealth. And then number two, his agenda was to take hold of the children. That the children no longer belong to the parents, but they belong to the state. Have we heard that in our culture today? Wokeism, therefore, is in direct conflict with Jesus who addressed and affirmed the Genesis model of marriage, family, and sex. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 19. He said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man separate. Friend, if you were to take that, open it up on the street corner today and read it to the general public, they'd want to run you out of town for hate speech. Thought crimes committed by Jesus in that statement. Amen. Only two sexes. Marriage between a man and a woman only. Wokeism is dangerous because it threatens the basic building block of society. And by the way, I'm going to take it one step further. Wokeism gets its inspiration from Satan. Satan. Because if you go to the beginning of the book in Genesis chapter 3, what was Satan's first attack? It was to divide what God had put together between the man and the woman. He attacked marriage. He attacked family so that he could divide them. And in just a few verses, he has the man and the woman fighting with each other, playing the blame game, and now they're divided. The agenda of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why this is so dangerous because when you destroy the family when you confuse children to believe that they can choose their gender and so on you have destroyed the basic building block of everything how do you have culture anymore how do you have family anymore how do you have society number three wokeism has a wrong view of the sexes number two wokeism has a wrong view of sin Number one, wokeism has a wrong view of humanity's source. And then number four, wokeism has a wrong view of salvation. Just bear with me a few more minutes, friends. The ultimate goal of the woke is to create a society of equity free from all racism, prejudice, and economic disparity. Now they say to achieve this goal, the woke must completely tear down American culture and Western morality and replace it with some sort of utopia. You ask them, give me an example from history, and they can't point to one because it's never been done successfully in history. But this involves recasting our national history only in terms of racism and slavery vilifying and canceling white voices and enacting laws that redistribute wealth and power to those that are deemed as oppressed. Bodie Bauckham again. Here's what he said. He said, quote, The anti-racist movement has hallmarks of a cult including a new glossary of terms and theology to understand the unjust broken world around us. The new religion comes with its own cosmology, that's CRT. Original sin, racism. Law, intersectionality. Gospel, the social justice. Martyrs, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, etc. Priests, the oppressed minorities. A means of atonement through reparations. A new birth, wokeness. Liturgy, Black Lives Matter. It's theologians, D'Angelo, Kendi, Brown, etc., and a catechism say their names, no justice, no peace. He said this, in case you're wondering about their soteriology, there isn't one. CRT and the anti-racist movement offers no salvation, only perpetual penance in an effort to battle an incurable disease. This is a worldview that offers mankind no hope offers mankind no way out of the solution. This is a hopeless, godless agenda that won't fix the problems that we've been wrestling with. I think that every Bible-believing Christian and everybody who calls themselves a true American who loves their country and their neighbors should reject this worldview 100%. That doesn't mean I'm putting down the people or I hate them Or I'm vilifying them. No, not at all. But I'm saying that these ideas are dangerous and they should be rejected. Now, if wokeness has one good thing we can say about it is that it does expose flaws in the American system. Listen, we've never been a perfect country and we never will be a perfect country. But despite the flaws of this nation, listen to me, it's still the greatest country on earth because it still promises life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to anybody who steps on its shores. And just like every nation that has ever existed We have a stain of racism and slavery in our past, but let me remind you that we were the nation that had the moral courage and the wherewithal to fight to end the segregation and end the slavery in this country. Think of how far the country has come. Some of you remember back in the 1950s and 1960s and so on when the Civil Rights Movement was going on. Listen, if America is so oppressive and racist, then how in the world did we ever get a black president? How in the world did we ever get a Condoleezza Rice or minority CEOs or somebody like Colin Kaepernick or LeBron James who can make millions of dollars playing a stupid game and then whine and complain about how terrible this country is? Hey, if you want to leave, tell me when. I'll show up and help you pack. I've never seen a nation full of so many ingrates, ungrateful people. And yet, here's what I always say. America is so great that even the people who say they hate it won't leave. Amen. The only way that we can see this nation come together and move forward is by coming to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ where we will be united in the common bond of one Savior. Amen. Paul wrote this, 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. I mean, say that again, all people to be saved. And to come to a knowledge of the truth For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Notice, I just may preach a little bit right here. I feel something coming on, friend. Notice that Paul refers to Jesus here as a mediator. That means when you've got two parties who are estranged, who can't get along, who are at each other's throats, a mediator can step in as a go-between, as a negotiator, and the mediator can bring wholeness and healing to a fractured relationship. Friend, I want to tell you about the hope of Jesus Christ, who's 100% man and 100% God, and he stretched himself out on an old Roman cross 2,000 years ago. So much God that he could take hold of heaven so much man that he could take hold of the sins of the world and bring them together in one glorious salvation. Through his shed blood, he can bring the disparaging cultures and nations and tribes and kingdoms together because he's a great God and a great Savior. And by the way, friend, he didn't stay dead and he won't stay gone, brother Stan. He's coming back to fix things To rule and reign, the Bible says, His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He ain't on the ticket this November, but my vote goes for Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, Jesus' reconciliation is not just vertical... It's also horizontal. When I get my heart right with God, then I can find a transformation that takes place in me, and I get right with the people that I once hated or the people that I once viewed as less than. You see, the cross is the antidote to racism and racial strife because it's truly the place where you can come to, and the ground is level. The church is God's plan for racial reconciliation. Because look around you. Look how diverse the church is. People that you would never see, never meet, or have any fellowship with. People from different economic backgrounds. People from different parts of the country. People with different skin tones. People with... Some like Carolina and some like Duke. We'll pray for the Duke fans. Amen. Some like Georgia Bulldogs and, and some like Alabama. But you know what? You get them under the the banner of Jesus Christ and you set aside all that external stuff and you focus on the fact that I've been redeemed, I've been blood-bought, that my, my sins are forgiven and that this is the closest to hell I'll get as a child of God. Friend, all that stuff is laid aside and you get united and one in the power of Jesus. That's what the culture needs. They need to be able to look at the church and say, Well, how do they do it? God help us. Paul said this. The things that divide us in the world are equalized in the church. He said, Galatians 3.28, There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no longer male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Two stories and I'm done. In 1952, Billy Graham was holding an evangelistic crusade in Jackson, Mississippi. But as he arrived at the venue that day, he noticed that the seating had been segregated. White's over here. Black's over here. Ropes were erected to keep the races apart. Well, when Graham arrived at the meeting, he personally went over and pulled all the ropes down and refused to let them be picked back up. And later he told a reporter when they asked him, why did you do that, Mr. Graham? He said, the closer the people of all races get to Christ and his cross, the closer they will get to one another. I'm thankful that 2,000 years ago, a Savior came. And the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, I believe, by the hand of God the Father. And that uh, recognized the access that we have. He tore down the ropes. He tore down the partition and the barrier that might separate humanity. And the God says, let them in, all who can, uh, whosoever will. And that's the message of the gospel. You know God loves racists? Read about the amazing transformation that took place in the life of a white supremacist man named Chris Simpson. Listen to this. According to the article, Chris served as a Marine. We got out of the military. He suffered PTSD. He had no way to cope with integrating back into society. He started consuming white supremacist propaganda on the Internet. He joined a Nazi club. And even had a swastika tattooed on his body. And on his knuckles, he had the words pure hate written. But Chris said that everything changed one day when he took his son to Walmart. At one point, his son said, Daddy, we can't walk down that aisle because there's blank down there. Chris realized when his son said that, that he was teaching his boy to be full of hate, just like him. It wasn't long after that that Chris was driving home and he saw a local Baptist church on the sign. They were showing a free movie, Courageous chris went in and he saw the movie with his son he was deeply convicted about being a better father he came back to church the next sunday and when the gospel was preached his heart was pricked and he came forward and was gloriously saved there's the headline former white supremacy sheds hate and embraces christianity on the day of the baptism chris proudly showed his scars to the church. He'd gone back to the tattoo shop and had the racist tattooed removed with a laser. And he said this, hate kept me blind for a long time, but God's love has opened my eyes. Amen? That's what my God can do and what he has done in the hearts of so many people. Don't believe the lie that God is woke. No. No. God is great. God is holy. God is love, mercy, grace. And best of yet, Brother Ryan, he's a second chance God. Amen.